Hey guys, it's May. We made it. And we're super excited to announce here on Mindspace Minimal, our first annual May Movie Madness. You might be asking yourself, what the hell is that? I'll tell you. We are doing back-to-back episodes of Hypnosis and Film, so buckle up, strap in, and grab some popcorn because we've got a lot of fun movies coming your way. Welcome to Mind Space Minimal, a podcast exploring the connections between consciousness, lifestyle, wellness, and aesthetics. We're your hosts. I'm Jessica Yatrovsky. And I'm Daniel Ryan. We hope you enjoy this episode. today's installment of hypnosis and film we are doing k-packs a uh much i I was delighted by this movie (laughs) i'm just gonna come out and say it i was like i wasn't didn't know what to expect first time watching it it was way more entertained than i thought i would be and it was uh yeah i i enjoyed it how about you i was a little confused like i I followed the beginning. I went through moods during the film, Mm -hmm. like ups and downs with it. It's a pretty steady film, I feel like, in general. Uh, I I went back and I looked at the year. It was 2001. Yeah. So 2001 sci-fi drama fantasy film. And that nails it. That's pretty much what it is. Um, But the sci-fi aspect is like more psychological. You know, you're not seeing aliens and weird creatures from other worlds or anything like that. Yeah. And also fantasy. Like, I think the fantasy is also like the psychological aspects of this film. But I thought it was good. But then I have a lot of questions for you. I'm definitely that person in the theater that people hate. Like, don't ever take me to the movies because I'll be like, what What did he say? What just happened? I was going to ask. I was going to ask you some questions because oh, there was some stuff. There was <laughs> okay. definitely some stuff. Either I wasn't watching as close as I should have been, or I mean, there were some moments where I was like, "Wait, what? What? How did yes. that? Who? What happened?" Yeah, I so had a lot of questions. Maybe, maybe there were plot holes if if we both. Yeah, maybe we, we could just things. we could just sure. present those as as questions. Um, the audience liked in. it. Uh, Rotten yeah. Tomatoes, 75, critics, 42. So 42 maybe is representative of the questions that we have about this film. I, I, yeah. if, I if I might say too right away, this there was like something, <laughs> pardon me. Say it. There was, some, there was something seriously nostalgic mm. about this movie, which totally surprised me, never having seen it before. But- one of the things that I think is most interesting about this movie is it was shot before 9-11 and came out right after 9-11. It came out oh. in October of 2001. And it's like, you can you mm-hmm. can still smell the 90s yes. on this movie. And I, I think that's part of the nostalgia for me. It's mm-hmm. like a very sweet spot in Jeff Bridges career. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten he was in it because all you think about, or at least all I think about when I thought about this movie was just Kevin Spacey's face in those stupid sunglasses, taking up the whole poster <laughs> and, and, and the word K-Pax, which means nothing. And, Oh, I've got know, some things for you. Well, later. I mean, it's just like, this is that means nothing of- to you. Exactly. Right, yes. Yeah. And, and this is the end of my associations up until I watched it today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jeff Bridges is actually really good in it. Kevin Spacey, who we don't need to go into the controversy around him on this podcast. We all know it. We're just talking but, uh, about the film. His performance is fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, frankly, this, he's like, you know, he, he was a good actor as we can. He's really all good in remember. this. So his performance is totally solid. All the performances actually mm-hmm. I thought were solid. The director, Ian Softly, who I I've checked his IMDb, directed Hackers, 90s oh, classic. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. He's got a bunch of other credits, That's but it film. seemed like the other big one was Hackers. And um, 
yeah, I really liked the direction of the movie. I thought it was like nicely shot and yeah, it I, was. I had a lot of praise for it. Yeah, surprisingly, um, yeah, I, I, I did like it. I think I was a little stressed because I watched it shortly before we are recording this right now. <laughs> So I was like trying, I was trying to take notes and stuff. You always watch a day of and and I'm too wound up in a type. I have to watch things like a day or two before just Mm -hmm. so I feel uh, prepared and like done. Um, So I try to take a, you know, notes out of your handbook and just watch it day of. So I've been doing that. And when I did it today, it was a little stressful when I wasn't getting what I was like, what? What, what just happened? What just happened? I don't have time to really rewind this. So <laughs> I went on and I was like, I literally put in to Google, I was like, K-Pax, Cliff Notes. And I got a synopsis, which like yeah. I could probably share bits and pieces of as we go through it. But yeah, um, and we can go through this movie pretty quickly. Um, there was one thing I did want to point out, though. There were two things. So if you go on to the Rotten Tomatoes, it says, for those who have seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or Starman, K-Pax may not hold anything new. The mm. movie works best as a showcase for Kevin Spacey and Jeff Bridges. Pretty accurate, right? Totally. And, then, and, and it is a combination of Cuckoo's Nest and Starman. That's yeah. And then the synopsis that I found on IMDb was tells the story of a mysterious patient at a mental hospital who claims to be from a distant planet called K-Pax. As his psychiatrist, Jeff Bridges, tries to figure out exactly how to help the patient, he gradually begins to realize that the so-called alien is having a remarkable effect on the mental health of the hospital's other patients. So that that pretty much was a great sum up on... Yep. The thing about this movie, going back to like the critics, how the critics didn't, it was like 42, which is pretty low in that people liked it, which is like 75-ish. I feel like it's like people like it. The budget for the movie was 68000 but it grossed worldwide 65000 So they almost- 65000 uh, million. Sorry, uh, Jesus I was gonna say, fucking Christ. Okay. I was going to say sixty-five Let grand me... worldwide. That's not so crazy. <laughs> this movie did terrible. Sorry, yeah. the budget was sixty-eight million, and it grossed sixty-five million. So they were just shy. Yeah, just shy. Um, of just breaking even, which I don't know. Was this a terrible movie? It wasn't terrible, but I, I really do think that the timing on this one, not that we need to talk about it a lot, but I, I think 9-11 played a real role oh, in Oh, yeah, all these movies I, that came out, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't know if you remember, I don't remember actually exactly off the top of my head, but when that happened, it really was such a world-shifting event. Like, all of these movies got... Yeah, no, you know, you're right. ...displaced, I, like yeah. things were put on the shelf and not released. Yes. And this came out and I think everybody was just like, this is not what I want right now. No, you know? because it's, 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 it's real. And there's two really good actors, you know, uh, just kind of going at it together in these scenes. And, oh, I was going to say when I heard the, like come up at the beginning and, and the opening credits happened, which was like, you know, the classic of that time period, which when you said nostalgic, mm-hmm. I was like, totally. I was like, this is a popcorn movie. And it's like uh. raining outside today. And I was like, this is a total popcorn movie. And I would see, have seen myself either going to the movies to see K-Pax or <laughs> renting it at Blockbuster and getting oh, my yeah. candy and all my snacks and stuff. Hell yeah. I for sure like felt that. But now that you said that, it's like, oh, yeah, like 9-11 totally destroyed a lot of tourism, people even wanting to go out or see a serious film. Because it's not that this is a serious film. It's just that this movie's not a comedy, right? Clearly. Yeah. If this movie comes out in 1999, I think it is remembered completely differently. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into this. Um, the thing I wanted to point out was the weird sexy music that they used in this movie just felt yeah, a so little uh, 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 amiss for me. There's a lot of like EDM, which was a term <laughs> we were playing yeah. with the other day on the phone. But yeah, there's like a lot of like, it feels like Postal Service did this soundtrack or something. You no, know? there was something that.
that was like, oh, you know that song that goes, wah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't think so. Oh my God, I got to look at this track. Maybe. It's like, it, it's like a, it's just an instrumental track and like every, you know, 10 seconds, there's this vocal that goes, wah. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you and you're going to crack up. When you do hear it. But yeah, so there I was like, I was ready to hear that fucking song at any moment during this movie. And like that kind of took me out of it. But so they open this movie takes place in New York. They open in Grand Central Station. They place Mm -hmm. Kevin Spacey's character there with the fucking like those sunglasses on from. Yeah, they're they're like um, not Ray-Bans, but they're like. They're like knockoff Oakley's. Yes, they're like. What is the what are those stupid sunglasses that Guy Fieri wears it's like they're like those kind of glasses we'll just say oakley's yeah so he's wearing these oakley's um (laughs) and there's a panhandler in a wheelchair and he's like asking for change it's like so many movies like this in this genre start like this and i love it that's why i was like oh even more of a popcorn movie it's starting grand central station and Mm -hmm. the panhandler guy is gonna witness everything and so He's got his change cup. And then, of course, some guys come out and mug a woman. And she's like, ah. In the middle of Grand Central Station. I know. Like, as if no one was going to stop them. That that doesn't happen generally. But people, okay, yeah. anybody listening that doesn't live in New York City or come into the city, people don't get robbed here in, like, big groups of people. And there's not citizens arrests. People will stop you. Now, if you're walking on the street corner by yourself and mugged in broad daylight and there aren't a lot of people around. Yes. okay. But like Grand Central Station with a bit with so many people like you're going to get you're fucked. Yeah, Um, this isn't going to happen. So but then the cops are there for some reason. Right. They're right around the corner. So they come over. But this is the first question I had for you. So they're helping this lady up. But they immediately like arrest kevin spacey who's just standing in the middle of grand central station (laughs) did i miss something why did they arrest him uh it's pretty unclear i mean they arrest they arrest him because i uh, this is what i think happened kevin spacey's character is helping helping the woman who got mugged up the cops see him there they the panhandler guy is even like he didn't do it he didn't do it but it looks like he may have done it or something like that. But then they ask him these questions. Yeah. They're like, what's your name? Where are you from? And he's like, oh, I'm an alien. I'm from the planet K-Pax. And the cops are like, oh, okay. Well, we got a live one here. I, re- you know, let's, I wrote, let's take him to the asylum. I wrote this down. I said, he goes, I have, I have arrived. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I've arrived. My travels are over for the time being. Cause they said they're like, you know, we're, where did you come from or something? And he's like, I have arrived. My travels are over for the time being. I didn't arrive by train. Okay. So that was enough to get him sent to a loony bin, which I thought was fucking weird. And like, he goes, (laughs) the, the panhandler guy goes, he didn't come from a gate. He came from nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is a great line. Yeah. Yeah, so they take him to the place, and then Jeff Bridges is like the head psychiatrist there, right? That takes all like the head cases. No the pun nicest intended. mental hospital I've ever seen. Actually, uh, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Like the Ritz Carlton <laughs> of like mental <laughs> yes. facilities. Yeah, I mean it's so nice. In fact, Jeff Bridges is there, and uh, <laughs> and you know it's like all of these great doctors who sit around and talk about these people, like House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with terrific care. I mean, you know, just this random guy who appeared out of nowhere. Let's just take him to the nicest mental hospital in New York. So apparently he's in there for three weeks before he gets assessed by Bridges. Like, according to, like, what? I mean, you can correct me anytime during this because, like, I was watching Please. this and taking notes and being, like, confused. So <laughs> um, he, he finds, like, uh, okay. So he ta- he starts talking to Spacey. We're just calling him Spacey until we get into this next part where we're going to tell you his name. He's claiming to not be human. They held him there for three weeks because he said he wasn't human. And then Bridges finds these papers that he had on him with mm-hmm. with writings. I don't know what was on the writing because I was like, I'm not pausing this. I'm going. <laughs> I am going, going, going. Um, and that he calls himself Prote. Right. That's his name. 
So um, he has him come into the office the first time, and I loved the scene. He goes, have a seat. And, and, <laughs> and Kevin Spacey goes, or prout, 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 rhymes with oat. I kept telling myself that today. So prout goes, have a seat curious expression <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was like oh god I love this because it's like I love Kevin Spacey being like you know cocky and kind of like that character that he's so good at being um so he says he's not ill he's homesick he's from this planet called Kpax, and it's not from our solar system like it's not or it's not in our solar system but he says but don't worry I won't pop out of your chest or anything <laughs> So he's seen alien. He's, we know he's seen alien. Yes, and a reference right. to like space balls too, which right. I thought was pretty funny. Um, so there's this beautiful back and forth with Jeff Bridges and Kevin Spacey, like throughout the whole film, they're just having yeah. this discussion, right? Yeah, their performances are really great. And we leave like we go back and forth through the whole movie. For the sake of this conversation, I don't want to break it down to every time he goes home to his wife and his kids and every time he comes back to the office. It's like that's just going on throughout the whole film. Like the wife's giving the pillow talk and he's having time with the kids and she's like, you should talk to your older son because the older son doesn't live at home. So, okay, I hope you guys that was enough background info. If not, read the cliff notes. Um (laughs) So we're back at the psych ward and all the doctors are listening to this recording that he's that Jeff Bridges has done with Prote. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of like laughing and they're like, give him drugs, you know, and he's just like, uh, let's not do that before we have a diagnosis, which I was like, <laughs> you know, because like, that's just what happens in our world still now, <laughs> no, you know, um, yeah, somehow this movie turned into a comedy for me, I guess. But so, well, yeah, please. I, I was just going to interject that it is there's so many there's so many moments in this movie when you just you're like, oh, God, I wish that's how this was. I wish I this is what people were like. You know, Jeff Bridges, as these movies tend to portray, plays a completely fictional fantasy version of a psychiatrist or psychologist who gives such a shit yeah cares so much you know and i mean and that repetition of scenes that you just mentioned where he's constantly going home to his wife and talking to his kids all he's ever thinking about is how am i going to help this guy you know and it's listen i mean we all want to believe that this world is that noble. And frankly, I, you know, there are many wonderful people out there. Respect to all the people working in the mental hospitals of New York City and everywhere else. I don't think for a moment you have an easy job. But yeah, it's such a it's such a fantastical version of our mental health care system. It's just like it is a bit of a comedy. I'm going to call this a 90s movie, even though it was 2001. I think that's fair. There's this scene. Well, they're in the he. He's continuing to go into these sessions, right, with Jeff Bridges. And the that first one of the first sessions with him, he's eating a banana and he just eats the whole fucking banana with the skin. <laughs> Why the close-up? Could we not have the close-up in like, that scene, please? That is so God. disgusting. And like I was waiting to see if Kevin Spacey would swallow the banana and he doesn't. So I was like, yeah. I was curious about that, which will yeah, I'm, I'm sure. actually gonna tell you something later about that scene. Um, no, fuck it. I'm going to tell you right now. Tell me. Surprise. So some trivia about this film is that, um, Kevin Spacey had to record the scene where he eats that banana and the skin 27 times. Gross. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine that that would be good to even have like the banana skin debris or chemical in the mouth like whether or not i'm 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 assuming he did not swallow it of course it doesn't say why does it no there's no why takes okay there it just laid it out there like that it says it goes around 18 minutes kevin spacey had to record the scene where prout eats a whole banana skin and all 27 times prout is it prout yeah it's prout what did i just say prout you said proud again. Proud, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. No. <laughs> Just like, I can't, I'm like proud, prat, prot. <laughs> Kevin Spacey eats a banana because that's what we're really talking about, right? This is all fictional shit. This 
actor ate a banana 27 times with the skin. So anywho, getting back to the session. So uh, Jeff Bridges, how do you even have a straight face? I mean, that's acting, right? To react to that. A person eating this disgusting banana. And he says, uh, your produce alone has been worth the trip. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and then... There's this weird scene, I don't know if it's that session or another session, where he describes sex on K-Packs, mm. like what reproducing is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, imagine having your balls in a vice. And then he goes on in like graphic detail to talk about like how disgusting procreating is yeah, on his planet. Yeah, I that scene out. I just remembered it, though. Yeah, oh. I, I, I wrote this down because I blocked it out. <laughs> so I just wanted to make mention of that because it was also just like, what purpose did that even serve to talk about it? But I know like it was a device, I guess, no, no pun intended device, but it's a device I think they used to like kind of probe at um, Jeff Bridges's curiosity about this like potential sure. planet that this guy is from. Um, but meanwhile, they just like keep putting him back into the mental facility, you know, like he's and he's walking around and making friends and he meets. Um, I love this actress, Celia Weston. OK. And she plays Miss Archer. And then they have a little dinner together. You remember that he walks in her her hospital room or her... those are cute scenes. Yeah, there, there, there are a handful of cute scenes with the other inmates. It also just shows how freaking like suave and charming Kevin Spacey is. He could just charm the pants off of you. I probably shouldn't say that, but (laughs) (laughs) that's really bad. But I just mean another actor or actress. He's just going to make this scene so easy for you because he's going to make you look great because he's just so generous, you know, and he, and, and because we're in this mental institution too there's just such a grace and compassion in that one little scene with him and this woman and he like calms her down just by being like is there another place setting you know like because she's like sitting at this table alone so um bridges i i I wrote down here bridges digs with scientists and finds out that i guess he can see prot Yes. Can mm-hmm. see ultraviolet light. Can see ultraviolet light. Yeah, he's got a couple and his his like his heart rate mm-hmm. is strangely inhuman and there Weird are a couple things. of his vitals that are like, oh, he's he doesn't operate like other human beings. Nobody freaks out at that. Right. <laughs> like like nobody freaks that at one point they say I can't remember, they say his heart rate is like something absurd. Right. That you're like you're not alive. Yeah, yeah. And and nobody stops to think like, huh, maybe mm-hmm. we should check out what's going on with his heart. But right Bridges, in- instead of Bridges bringing him to like a neurologist, keeps him in the ward and is just like, no, I'm going to crack this case. Yeah. And um, but it's nice because he goes back into the session with him and he turns down all of the shades and the light, the lighting turns all the lights off so that Prot finally takes his sunglasses off. Right. Again, very talky. He's trying to learn more about the planet, their morals, like the Pachyans or whatever he's calling them and their way of life. And then Bridges is back with his family. And but he he calls his friend. Right. That scientist dude friend because mm-hmm. he wants him to check him out. An so astronomer. what's that? I believe I, it was an astronomer. Yeah. I believe. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He also, in the meantime, while Prote is wandering around the asylum, is like telling patients how they're going to get better. Yeah. (laughs) So him and Bridges get into this fight and he's just like, it's my job to cure these patients. I'm I'm the doctor here. And he was like, so why haven't you cured them? I I love that line. Yeah. Actually, actually, like, yeah, I appreciated that one. Mm -hmm. I thought I thought for a moment. That the movie was actually going to provide some commentary on mental health care, but that didn't end up happening. No, it but actually I do, I did. did. Like that, uh, it did provide commentary. It's that we don't. <laughs> we don't focus on curing uh, yeah. mental health care. In fact, there's little to no 
understood or shared understanding of how mm-hmm. to address mental health. Yeah, that. that's that's it does point that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just through that line anyway. And so I'm pretty sure that this is not okay. But then after he talks to his scientist friend, they go on a field trip. So he takes a mental, a quote, mental patient, which is prot, to Neil deGrasse Tyson's museum. <laughs> like, what, the where the fuck? Hayden motherfucking planetarium. Yeah, where are with, they going? With a small team of, like, you Scientists. know, the finest. Yeah, who Astrophysicists. Come off, like, the finest in New York City, you know, like <laughs> one one psychologist, four of the finest astronomers in the United States, and Kevin Spacey as an alien. And yes, here, here's another okay. completely <laughs> fictional example of our mental health care system. But go on, please. Then they ask him, they ask him to take them on an orbital pattern of his planet. Then he starts to write out, he, you know, to chart all of this like with some kind of like wacom tablet like a prototype for an Mm -hmm. ipad Mm -hmm. for this observatory yeah and then he's like uh, you know writing like he's in the social network like all the fucking orbits and and all the lines and like where k-pax is and like all of the planets and the solar system and all this shit and and then he goes and i think that's right that's what he says after after that and he just like goes and he takes a seat right and so these scientists are like frantically cal- putting in all these calculations into what looks like when you fill out your taxes like they, like little boxes of shit of numbers so they're like how do you know this and he's like it's common knowledge like how we know things about the planet and the sun and the moon you know and then we go back for a second to the the uh, asylum where that one patient was told by Prot that he would be cured when he sees a bluebird mm. and the patient sees a bluebird and everybody starts freaking out hmm. and they all start chanting like bluebird bluebird and it was so weird because as the doctors walk out like Jeff Bridges comes out and some of the other doctors come out and, they, and this doctor says to Jeff Bridges, it's mass hysteria. And I'm like, are you allowed to say that in an asylum? <laughs> like that's what's yeah. going on in there is mass hysteria. You've locked up people in its place with other people that are having them all together. Yes. Like in a mass, this is hysterical in, but in a tragic way. And then he's like, why are you telling people you can take them with you? Because he was saying that he's going to take people with him. K packs. He's going to take one person, one person back with him, which this is when I was like, I don't fucking understand. This is when the part of the movie, I was like, he picks a date. He tells Jeff Bridges he's leaving on July 27th. And then this date becomes like a point of obsession in the film. Yeah, it um, basically sets up the climax for the movie. Yeah, and he he runs into this one guy, which I totally identify with this um, patient in the in the 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 uh, ward who doesn't he just keeps telling everybody that everything stinks. He's like, you stink. And like that smells and it stink. And so he he pulls Prot into his <laughs> he pulls Prot into his little room and he goes, Hey, he's like, Can you show me that light travel thing? He he starts to tell him this story. He's like, Yeah, I used to work at the plaza. I was a whatever. He goes, and then I just started smelling things, and then they eventually just like checked me into this place because uh, smells bothered me, which I thought was like also a terrible misdiagnosis. Like, what the fuck? You know, but anyways, I digress. So this was pretty funny. So when he tells Jeff Bridges, I'm leaving on the 27th, he's like, why the 27th? Why are you leaving? And Kevin Spacey's like, or Prot is like, no, but you've really been hospitable, hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's funny um 
And then, like, there's all this math. Like, Jeff Bridges is, like, doing the math on the date and looking back and forward in time and stuff. And, like, why is he leaving on the 27th? And he's, he, he's like, obsessing about it. And so what does he do? He brings him home to his house with his wife and kids. I still don't understand why. Like, why did that? Why did he do that? Because the movie needed a scene where he brings him home to his wife and kids. I mean, it feels because she wasn't into it. She was not into it. No. And I mean, there's a couple there are a couple of things that end up happening in the scene. You know, he Mm -hmm. has a moment with a sprinkler. Yes. That that ends up playing into what happens later. Mm -hmm. There's a moment which I've got a lot of salad. Yeah. I mean, there's like all of these little moments that do end up being somewhat Mm -hmm. important to the plot. But it also agreeing yeah. with you. It, it totally feels forced. It's like uh, the movie needed this scene, so we're gonna bring him home. He's a hit with the with the kids. Like the, the kids like the him. dog. He he tell the dog, the dog is barking, and he right. he tells the kids exactly what the dog's saying. He interprets the dog's mm-hmm. language. That was cute. And then, yeah, then the the water sprinkler like busts, mm-hmm. and he gets all wet, and that's when he has like some kind of disassociative kind of like. Yeah. Mental break. This will play into the parts about the hypnosis coming yeah, up. Moment, yeah, it's just coming up very, very quickly. Um, So one thing I just wanted to point out about the barbecue scene was as soon as he started flipping out and trying to protect the little girl from like the water sprinkler, which there was nothing to fear about the water, just pointing that out. It wasn't a dangerous scene. He was very scared, so it felt very real. He starts to freak out, and like there's a nurse lady there on standby with like some – uh, like a syringe full of something to hmm. to. I, I missed her completely. To, <laughs> news to me. To sedate him, I was like, "Where the fuck did she come from?" Is she, that how the scene ends? That he gets sedated? She, yeah, she. Eh. <laughs> I guess I was checking my. Yeah, email. no, that's it's fine. A, it's totally. It's it's okay that you missed it because it was just <laughs> so stupid and unnecessary. And I, it's yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it whatever. Yeah, and that's the whole thing is like they, I guess they must have brought her along for safety, probably for the wife or and the kids or whatever. Like right. as if he were gonna get nuts or something and do something because crazy. Somebody along the way was like, "Hey, Jeff Bridges, maybe don't bring this person who thinks they're an alien home." Yeah. Don't don't let him know where you live and introduce him to your kids like this. Might not be a good idea. But also, he's never displayed aggression no the entire film the character definitely isn't aggressive or anything like this but i mean it's still inappropriate (laughs) like there's no it doesn't have to be aggression for there to be a boundary there so now enter alfrey whatever whatever woodard woodard yes fantastic actress yeah. Of this always. time. And always, yes. Yeah. Um, so he goes to her and he immediately says, We have to regress him. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got so excited, Jessica. I was like, oh my God, we do. He was like, Oh my God, he just had a fucking panic attack to water, you know, <laughs> because of the sprinkler head past life regression. Dude, right away. We got to yeah. do it. I, Too much just, symbolism. Got to do this I, right now. I just love how like the stakes in this conversation feel like we have to do emergency surgery right yes. now. You know what I mean? Like it's so intense. Her response was kind of like, is that necessary? Oh yeah. yeah. No, her response, is, her response is the, you know, the quote unquote, I don't even know what. Cautious uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. The voice of caution. Thank you. Yeah. She's like, are you sure? It could go so wrong. And Jeff Bridges <laughs> is like, no, we must. You know, It's so dramatic. You don't even know. But it's like, yeah, we must regress him. Which I'm kind of like, you know, he's, it's like the, the cop that gets fired is still on the case. This is what Bridges is turning into in this movie. A little bit. And a little bit. Um, but he wasn't, you know, he's still the head psychiatrist or whatever the hell he is. I still don't know what he was, but it seemed like he was the head case <laughs> in the movie. He yeah. really is the head case in the movie, honestly. In many ways. But uh, but he is yeah. also in charge of the treatment mm-hmm. for Kevin Spacey's character, apparently. But meanwhile, Kevin Spacey disappears for three days. 
And then Bridges yeah. finds him up in a tree. Yeah. And he's like, um, there was this weird like exchange where he was like, they're arguing kind of, or I don't know if it's ever an argument with the two. They're just bantering. And he's like, mm-hmm. how do I know you aren't human like me? Mm-hmm. And he's like, <laughs> he says to him, something like, sounds like you're in need of a Thorazine drip. <laughs> like, yeah. like, yeah, you know, I mean, so then he goes, all right, I want to do like hypnosis. He's like, I would need your consent to do something. It's called hypnosis. <laughs> so, so look, you got to take it from here, Dan, because I got it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like, I don't happy. even, I, I'm like my, my, uh, when they go into this, I'm just like, he's hooked up to monitors. There's glass. Like, uh, Jeff Bridges <laughs> has like an earpiece. Like, know. it's like, is, am I watching mission impossible? Like what the exactly. fuck is going on in the scene? It's it's like they're running a mission uh, on a, a a military operation yeah. or something like that. Seriously, and apparently, like Spacey has all of these monitors and tracking devices on him. They're following his heart rate, his his brain waves and stuff. And these so, are tax dollars. I don't know who's paying for this. Like, what operation. the hell? But yeah. So. Just to go deep on the regression and on the hypnosis stuff for half a second here, and then we can bring this puppy home. Man, the scenes, I got to say, again, they're silly. They're a totally fantastical version of how any version of this would happen in real life 20 years ago or today. But I I fucking love these scenes, Jessica. They're so funny. When he started and talking so- like this. I know. And, and, and Bridges <laughs> even uses some lines that I use sometimes. Like there's some actual hypnosis jargon in mm-hmm. his stuff. He's like, you know, doing countdowns and talking about waves of relaxation and all this stuff that's, you know, pretty standard fare for mm-hmm. hypnosis and hypnotic inductions. And then during the regression, Kevin Spacey's character, like you just inferred, starts talking with a child's voice and his body language is doing funny things. It's all way more dramatic than it would normally happen in a regular, a quote unquote, regular regression. So way more dramatic, but versions of that do happen. Versions of that totally do happen. And with certain personalities and certain sessions, yeah, they'll start talking with a straight up child's voice or the body language will start reflecting certain things. But still, this is a very dramatized version of this. But I know all of the like heart rate monitoring and there's yeah. he's got a doctor behind the glass that he's in conversation with. Oh, yeah. It's Did you so know one funny. of the scientists behind the glass in this particular session? It's the guy from Office Space. <laughs> it's the guy <laughs> that plays Samir, the actor Ajay yes. Nad- Nadi- Nadu. And I don't know do. how to say his last yeah. name. He's a wonderful actor. I don't want to butcher his last <laughs> but name. But he or was he's, in he's office wonderful. space, so I thought yeah. that was funny. It's hilarious. But that scene when he, they're saying all this stuff and he's recalling like an accident. Yeah, I mean, so take me through when, this quickly because there was so much information, and I was just like, can we, can we like condense this? <laughs> Is there a way so, to condense what what you perceived that happened in that session? And absolutely, then the rest absolutely. Of the and in fact, I'm 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 gonna like start spoiling the ending. Yeah, a yeah, bit yeah. Here too, so we could just start bringing it together. But uh, as I understand it, the regression that they do, oh, I could be wrong, but uh, I think what happens is the hypnosis and the regression that they do is effective and successful in that. Kevin Spacey's human character, who's apparently named Robert something, I think. I can't remember. But the human character actually responds to Jeff Bridges and makes reference to an absolutely horrible event, which Jeff Bridges discovers at the end of the movie, where Kevin Spacey's human character discovers his uh, family having been murdered. Okay, because that's what I was going to ask you. What happened there? And has this, well, yeah, essentially, and murders the murderer. Right. And then, and then attempts suicide. Oh. And it's somewhere in the disassociation and the suicide where 
an alien life form from Capex takes over his body. This is this is again. This oh. is all the stuff where I totally could be wrong, Jessica. But no, this but is this like makes sense. Actually, my interpretation of what happens in the third act. Beautiful, because if an alien is just like this person is really hurting, I'm going to take over here. That actually, which I think is part of it. Sense. Which I think is part of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean call it whatever you want, like alien, sure, yeah, energy protection, extraterrestrial, but entity. something protective. You know, taking yeah. over this man's life. And this or body I mean, control of his body. The alien that supposedly is is in Kevin Spacey's body too is is a kind of a healer. He's he's mm-hmm. healing all the people there in the mental hospital. So hmm. in the sessions and in the regressions, they discover and I'm not I'm not sure why he's talking in a child's voice. That's the thing that <laughs> I, I don't get. But um well because but, yeah, he's he, talking about when he was a child for a minute. Maybe that's it. But then he mentions the name Sarah, though, and his wife's name is Sarah. Yes. And that's where I got confused, too, because maybe he was like regressing, going into that little boy voice because something that traumatizing could bring you back to feeling like a helpless child. Maybe. Give me a degree. (laughs) (laughs) It also it also occurred to me it could like. Maybe he was going into his child's point of view, like yeah. the kid that got murdered or something. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's all really fuzzy. Nonetheless, it just, again, the the scenes themselves, I, I just, I loved these scenes. I thought they were so funny and entertaining, watching them mm-hmm. as a hypnotherapist. And I'll never, if I ever have the honor of meeting Jeff Bridges, my favorite <laughs> line in any movie <laughs> is, we have to do a regression. We have to regress him now. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is too. Also, once they do that regression, he talks about there was an accident in a with a a factory, yeah. a cow factory or something, and right somebody gets hurt. So I don't really understand what that was about. Like somebody gets hurt in the cow factory, yeah, I don't know. and and then he goes, "We need to find all the slaughterhouses." like all over the country. And I was like, yeah. is that a good use of resources? Oh my God, I know. And then he's a detective <laughs> now and then they give him another session. They keep hypnotizing him. They go in. They. This is where I was just like, uh, I need to, I need an explanation of this because like after that scene where you see like all the bloodshed and stuff, this he's, is where... he's washing his, the water is like yeah. going over his body. Just to give context, yeah. to, this is Jeff Bridges going to the house that Kevin Spacey's character was in and piecing together what happened. Yeah, and we're seeing right? splices of it. Yes, we're seeing Jeff Bridges kind of put to the story mm-hmm. together. Which which I'm like, is did that happen? Or is this like his interpretation of it? Was that said by either. Spacey's or by Prot? Like, yeah. I don't really know. But this the, is all like the last 15 minutes of yeah, the movie. Yeah, so remember the whole movie he's telling he's telling the group in the hospital that he's going to take someone with him, one person. They're Oh, by the way, but before we move to that part, mm. when Jeff Bridges goes and finally finds this place where like I guess this murder took place or whatever took place or like this death or mm-hmm. Something that's connected to his past, to Prote's past. He is like weeping, like crow weeping. He he really is. And I'm just like, okay, this is when you need to go see your psychiatrist because you're way too connected to this patient. You're in too deep, dude. You're in way too deep. Yeah. Like you went to another state or city or wherever the hell you are. You're doing, you're asking questions. You had your secretary find every slaughterhouse in the United States in a pre-internet world. Right. With the, they they show like a map with like all these tacks with flags in it. And you're, you're so right. You use the word detective. It like, there are these moments where the movie actually and Jeff Bridges character turns into like a detective story. And yeah. you know, it it's yeah, I'm not sure. So no, I'm he's not sure a, about it. He's about to leave, right? And because it's almost the 27th. Mm-hmm. And he says to him, like they're sitting in his office, and 
they're having like a nice little exchange or whatever. And he's just like, they're saying goodbye, basically. But they show this shot of like a yearbook sitting, like a high school yearbook sitting on the coffee table that's between the two of them. And he stands up and he says something about, oh, I, I forgot my pencil or I, I've misplaced my pencil. Jeff Bridges gives him a pencil. And then as he's walking out, Jeff Bridges can't handle it, picks up the yearbook, opens it up and says, you are Robert Porter. He says, I will admit the possibility if you admit the possibility of K-Pax. That I'm from K-Pax. Yeah, something to that. I'm butchering this. But, and he goes, the best line, now, if you'll excuse me, I have a beam of light to catch. (laughs) And he leaves. And so, but before he does leave, he says, now that you've found Robert, please take good care of him. So I thought that that was really, actually really quite beautiful writing. Yeah. So at the end, let's get right to the end. So he leaves his body and then... But we find out that one of the women is gone, too. So my understanding of it is that he he used her body to go back to K-Pax. Huh. And that Robert Porter, now his his physical being, because it's yeah. we, we see at the end it, he's under he's in his room, in his quarters, in the hospital, under his bed. Mm-hmm. his body but he's kind of catatonic mm-hmm. and back to being probably a traumatized robert porter right yeah big time yeah big time. <laughs> you're like big time big time <laughs> he's, he's, he's he's been through some shit yeah he's strapped into a, ru- a wheelchair at this point um for the rest of the film which is like he's only- also he doesn't say anything or move no he's catatonic the the yeah, yeah yeah he's totally yeah. he's gone but she's he's gone, gone. And she wrote some like goodbye letter because I guess she was the one that he chose as a vessel to get back to K-Pax. So that was what I think. That sounds right to me. I I hadn't, I hadn't got to the part where, you know, like he switches bodies from Kevin Spacey to her, but I remember that she's gone. But you know what I found pretty disturbing about this is at the end of the movie, then he's like Bridges is just like, pushing robert porter's catatonic person around in a wheelchair taking him on walks on like boardwalks and shit and talking to him like of, all, of almost all like maliciously yeah no of all the characters in the movie there's a spin on jeff bridges's character where this is a a movie about a psychotic doctor who takes yeah. things way too far. <laughs> because isn't it weird? He's pushing him around and he's just like, gotcha, you're mentally ill. You know, like yeah, we got listen, you to admit you were an ill person. Like how horrible is that? Uh, agreed. I mean, you know, the movie plays it touching. You know, the movie plays it like this is an act of care. And Jeff Bridges is caring for Kevin Spacey's character after this alien has left his body. And it all works I suppose it works in the context of the movie, but I totally agree with it's you. It's a gotcha it's like, though. It's kind of like a gotcha. And I, I didn't appreciate that. Yeah. I, I feel you. I mean, it didn't read for me like a gotcha for it, but it, it felt wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it just felt wrong. It, it felt to me like it felt sad mm-hmm. where, where they were going for sweet. It felt super <laughs> sad to me where it's just like Jeff Bridges is still way too invested in in what's happening with this one particular patient who is seems worse now than he ever has <laughs> at any other point in the movie, and he should have let him being a, a a whole banana eating alien. And he's not and he's catatonic. Like, and it, and I don't even remember like where he's pushing him around. I feel like that's, they were outside on the sidewalk somewhere. Yeah. Or something. it's like what are you guys doing? They're where, on the water. Are How are you it's allowed like, to take this man out again? Like, so yeah, all you of need that. to be all of that. assessed, yeah. sir. Right, right. Doctor, <laughs> take <laughs> Do- it easy. Take a doctor. step back, doctor. There's a scene, too, in the movie I love when he meets all those scientists, Spacey, and he goes, hello, doctor. Hello, doctor. Hello, doctor. <laughs> hello, doctor. He goes, how many yeah. doctors do you have on this planet? <laughs> I was like, it's it so does, true. It, um, you know, not to, like, 
wax nostalgic on Spacey, but it it the guy was such a good actor, man. Mm. Like uh I don't need him back or anything like that, but it it really does it you just I haven't this is the first performance of his I've watched in a couple of years, probably. Mm. And it just, you know, takes you back to how, how really good he was in his heyday. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I think wrapping it up, I've got some trivia. Mm. If you feel, do you want to say anything else? No, I'm good. Okay. Let's hear it. So K-Pax is short for kilopascals, which is a measurement of pressure. It's the metric equivalent of pounds per square inch, while the word is properly abbreviated as like a lowercase k, uppercase p, lowercase a, k-pax, the k-p-a-x can often be found on many consumer gadgets, such as gauges that measure tire pressure. So I thought that was pretty cool. And um, also throughout the movie, there's sparkles of light that you could see in the background of almost every scene. And I, would, I wouldn't even say they're in the background. They're <laughs> all over the fucking movie. They're it's really, like, they're really yeah, piling I mean, on the glitter in this movie. And I the J.J. Abrams directed yeah. this for a moment. <laughs> I'm it's just like, fucking like lens flares. I'm all like, over the place. I need some fucking like yeah. pro glasses for the fucking <laughs> lens flares going on. Yeah. They drove that um, home. But it says they're more prominent in Doctor Powell's office when he talks with Prote. So now, strap in for this little factoid. Prout's signature sunglasses are actually a favorite pair owned and worn by U2's frontman Bono. The glasses are brand D-I-T-A, Dita, and the style, and it's a discontinued style. Kevin Spacey asked to borrow them for the film, which Bono agreed to under the condition that they were cared for and returned immediately upon completion of the film. <laughs> like, that's just so method. It's just like, I need Bono's glasses to embody yeah, this character. About that. It actually it bums me out because now I can see Bono in those <laughs> glasses throughout the 1990s, which was far and away the coolest period of U2's career. You know, yeah. the Zoo TV tour and yeah. Octon Baby and Zuropa, fucking awesome. And yeah, he wore those glasses the whole time. <laughs> now I see it and uh, I'm not into it. Well, I'm going to bring us home with these two last mentions. The original um, lead of this prote character was going to be played by Will Smith. Huh. Yeah, and then Kevin Spacey was going to be playing Dr. Powell. Wow, I like yeah. that casting. I like that. Interesting, right? But when yeah. Smith pulled out, Spacey hopped into, no pun intended, <laughs> Prout's role. Um, and then this last thing, I was just like, what the fuck? The film was declared by Argentine director Elicio... Sabila, I can't pronounce it, as a plagiarism of his film Man Facing Southeast 1986. Oh, wow. It went to trial and an economic agreement was reached. Both films are identical. Whoa. Yeah. So huh. it'd be interesting to watch that film. Curious, since it's it was like a plagiarism piece. That's wild. Isn't that wow. crazy? That's like, totally crazy. Taking I more who... money away from that movie. <laughs> yeah. I wonder I wonder how that happened. You know, it's like if the writer Oh my god. The screenwriter or I mean like who who was just like, like who on the production was just like I'm going to take that movie and remake it in English with Kevin Spacey and Will Smith or Jeff Bridges. A dummy? I, I suppose. Yeah, a person without much creativity. Well, you know, I could actually, I was just, just kind of like fantasizing about how that could happen. It could be somebody taking a script from someone's script from someone's script from someone's script and then someone sure. not doing the research to even know that that film exists. Sure. Wow. And, and, and it's also, I mean, like, should we be that surprised? I think, no. you know, thievery in Hollywood is pretty well established as common. But you're supposed uh, to like, you know... Hide it yeah, there's really a, there's well. a system in place, yeah, for crediting and things mm-hmm. like that. Of course, that should be adhered to. I mean, unless you're watching The Crown, which you know is a completely factual. <laughs> it's it, documentary, I believe. Yes, right? absolutely. Yes. That's how um, it happened. So, on a scale of none to fun, 
I'm going fun. Yeah. I'm going fun on this one. This is fun. The, uh, yeah, and the hypnosis scenes, mm-hmm. although there's probably, I don't know, five to seven minutes, maybe 10 minutes of hypnosis in this movie. Fucking top notch. Loved it. Loved He's it. like I all love, curled love, like, up in an Eames chair like, mama. Yeah, and I love <laughs> I love the doctors behind the glass. I love the way they like play it up for the drama and the intensity. How the doctor behind the glass is like, don't do it anymore, Jeff Bridges. Read his body language. And Jeff Bridges right. is like, no, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. What you know, it's, was it's so that? Ridiculous. That it was, was just... Dramatization is what it was. That's it was why I say it's very detective-like. And it's yeah. also, it's a mixture of things. Because where else are you behind glass directing somebody in an interrogation, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you're either in a police department or... Probably a police department, actually. Yeah, or like some. I FBI mean, hospitals shit. don't like mental hospitals. Okay, places where you're going to observe people behind glass, maybe where they do a QA testing or quality control or something like that. But mostly a police department. So you don't have that in your office, like a little glass. Oh no, I have I have fake windows <laughs> and false walls all over the place. Actually, yeah, I do, but that's just my office. <laughs> I think we're being watched right now. <laughs> I really do. Trust uh, nobody. I love the NSA, though. Just to say that. <laughs> just to put that out there. I love the NSA. That? I think they're doing a great job. At what? At listening to us right now. You know what? You're right. You know why? Because what? when I talk about something I love and I go on Instagram, the ad's right there. And I can purchase it. <laughs> I don't have to. I, I don't. I I forget about it. No, I don't forget about it because guess what? It's right there on the ads when Instagram's I open up got the phone. You. Instagram's got you. <laughs> cool. Any other final words on K-Pax? It was a good movie. And as we were talking about this, I actually recall that I started watching this a few months ago huh. and completely forgot. And I remember Bobby saying, you're starting this right now because it was like midnight and I just wanted something to watch. He goes, you have to pay attention to this movie. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I just thought it would be like a quiet Jennifer 8 kind of movie to fall asleep to. He goes, I don't think so. And that was the last of it. But I I only recalled this right now as we were talking about this film. because My favorite part. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, my favorite part of what you just said is Jennifer 8-like movie to fall asleep to. (laughs) Which is like, you got to know me on a deep level to understand that. But hashtag Andy Garcia, you know, Jennifer eight doesn't have anything that we can bring into hypnosis and film, unfortunately. Well, well, there's no hypnosis, but as I recall, there's you know a pretty strong mental health component. (laughs) I could be wrong about that. I haven't seen it in twenty years, so I'm really just guessing, but. I remember, yeah. Andy Garcia is a cop, and she's and Uma Thurman is a blind woman who was present for a murder, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I the, mean, I remember we'll, the premise. I love this movie so much that I think we might have to have a Christmas special <laughs> because Man. it's a it's also a Christmas movie. Oh, I love it! I love any movie that takes place at Christmas. Yes. You know. Anyways, yeah, I I would give it like overall rating for this movie um, on a scale of none to fun because I think it is quite kind of a popcorn movie. I would almost even say psychological sci-fi vibes. Yeah, you know, the sci-fi is really minimal. It's it's <laughs> right down my street. Hey. I'm not editing that out. I want you guys to hear what I live with. The sirens are on our end. Just so you know, there's not a fire where you are. The siren is in my yard. Yeah, the siren is in Jessica's home right now. That's where it is. (laughs) They they blasted through the brownstone. They're downstairs. They're like, this lady's talking shit about K-Pax. We got to get over there now. (laughs) Um, so I'll try to get this in between the next honks. Um, (laughs) basically. On a scale of none to fun, I think this was like an eight, a seven or eight if you're in the right mood. I'm only scoring, taking some points away because there was some kind of confusion and I'm like a little bit irritated with like Jeff Bridges' bridginess in this. 
like his obsession. Yeah. And upon re- upon review, his character is the most questionable, actually. Yeah. yeah. And though I love the performance, but yeah. But the regression, I give it like a 10. It was totally. dramatized and fun. Uh, and I give it a 10, not for accuracy, but for the fact no. that like he's like, we must use regression. Yeah. To be clear, there are no 10s for accuracy in hypnosis to be found <laughs> in media, perhaps, but mm-hmm. definitely in film. There yeah. are no tens for accuracy. Fun, maybe. Accuracy, yeah. definitely not. Now, as evidenced by Dead Again. First and foremost. Yeah. So check, exhibit A. Check out that episode we did a while back on the movie yeah. Dead Again. Like that was one of the most funniest regression hypnosis scene scenes that oh, I've God. seen thus far. But we're we're gonna be doing so many more of these. So I don't know what you're going to assign for me that I haven't seen, you know, it does it, a good question. Does I'm it get bad? Does it get worse than that? You think that again? Yes, probably. Yes. Oh but we'll find out how okay. in a, on an upcoming episode of mind space <laughs> minimal until and, then, <laughs> until then. And thank you for listening to this episode of mind space minimal. Bye guys. Visit us at mindspaceminimal.com and email us at mindspaceminimal at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.